We're here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hello. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, we are talking about the late, great Lynn Shelton. Lynn Shelton started out in the industry as a film editor and an experimental short filmmaker before becoming a feature film director. Primarily known for being a part of the mumblecore scene, she directed the acclaimed films Hump Day, Your Sister's Sister, Outside In, and Sword of Trust, and over the years has worked with a number of great actors, including the Duplass brothers, Edie Falco, Kira Knightley, Sam Rockwell, Scoot McNary, Ellen Page, Mark Marin, Rosemary Duet, Emily Blunt, and Allison Janney. So today we're going to dig right into her filmography, which, although it is short, it is very, very good. So, oh, yeah. Greg, how do you like Lynn Shelton? One of the easiest podcast research phases we've done so far. So much good <laughs> know, stuff. right? Oh, yeah. I, I'm pissed off that I missed any of her movies. I missed her first movie, and I'm like, how? There were like five of them. You know, like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but what were yeah. you saying? it's so easy to get through her stuff even her first movie where most first movies are pretty weak her first is a solid is a solid go it's super watchable and you can tell where she's gonna go later if you've watched the later ones first but in general all her stuff was so easy i I was like i'm gonna watch one a night but then on the first night i just went back to back with four movies because i couldn't get enough (laughs) it's it's like tv almost like every every movie you want to you want to keep going you want to get the next episode in exactly yeah no and her stuff is very very watchable and very easy to watch um easy to sit through i mean and it's interesting that you say that because she has done a lot of tv um i don't know if she directed Mm -hmm. community but i think that she she did episodes of the show. I, she might have done episodes of Marin. I'm not sure. but she, Yeah, I think she, she did. She did some Marin. She also did Glow. <laughs> and because I've, I've seen Glow like four times, I went back and rewatched some of the episodes she directed. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they're, they're awesome. I think definitely a bit more reserved for TV, but still a lot of focus on drama. Like she got a bunch of heavy episodes of Glow. Some of the, the biggest character moments she directed, so... Yeah, no, that's always interesting to me when they get um when they're able to get really good episodes um on like directors I mean when they get really good episodes on TV shows because I mean like a TV show must be really hard to direct because yeah. you're coming in there it's like okay you got 3 episodes and you it, it I feel like you'd have a lack of freedom there because you have to kind of you know direct in a way that's going to fit the show, you know? Like you, mm-hmm. you can't really have like a episode where it's like well why does you know why does community feel like a david fincher movie all of a sudden you know (laughs) like hey what's with all like the long dialogue and then like a bunch of you know violence all the second oh it's quentin tarantino directing this episode of (laughs) family guy or 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 friends i guess like what the hell's going on that'd actually be a great conceit for a tv show though (laughs) like every episode is just a big name director with a unique style Right? I'd like to see that like a movie, but it's like every episode, like every scene 
is a different director. And I know they have like anthology movies like that, but I mean like no, I want it to be like one story, yeah. one plot, same characters, but like different director every scene. <laughs> so it's like he walks into a room and it's a David Venture movie and then he walks out and it's a Scorsese movie and then he goes upstairs and it becomes, you know, Lars von Trier. Like it just gets weirder and weirder. Um But yeah, no. Um I'm looking at her Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. She's directed episodes of Marin, Master of None, uh, The Mindy Project, New Girl, Fresh Off the Boat, Love. She directed like five episodes of uh, Glow. Mm-hmm. Uh, AP Bio, she did an episode of The Morning Show. She did like four episodes of Little Fires Everywhere. And she also directed uh, Mark Marin's last two stand-up, special, uh, stand-up specials, uh, Too Real and End Times Fun. Right. Um, which are great. Like I, I love that guy. So mm-hmm. what know. a pair! I really, it's such oh, yeah. a tragedy because you can totally see a universe where they have a bright, bright future working together. And unfortunately, like not including Marin's specials, they really only did one picture together. Yeah, and it's really, it is really heartbreaking because I was looking at her Wikipedia earlier, and I've heard about this before, but um. It says this, and in her Wikipedia biography, it says, A week prior to her death, Shelton revealed she was in the process of co-writing a dramatic film with Mark Maron. Um, which heart, which just breaks my heart because, I mean, I uh, like, I love Mark Maron as it is. Mm-hmm. And Lynn Shelton is an incredible director. And, you know, like, I, I feel like... It, it means something that I saw your sister's sister and I didn't know who Lynn Shelton was. And I loved it. I loved your sister's sister. And then it was like a year later when she started. Um, I like I, I and it feel, I feel bad, too, that I've, I I heard about her through Mark Marin because I don't like the fact that I've heard about a great female director through a man like that's disappointing to me. So, but I heard about her and then I was like, oh my God, she's the one who directed your sister's sister. Like, oh my God, I got to, I got to find out, you know, who, who this, who this director is. Cause she's incredible. And then I, I had heard about hump day. I had heard about sort of trust and I was like, okay, I need to, um, and I'd heard about laggies too. Um, so I was like, I need to, I need to do some research on her. And the more that I watched the the more that I just fell in love with her directing style. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a real tragedy that. She unfortunately passed away, and so young too. So sudden, and yeah, yeah, just unreal. Absolutely, but you know that's what we're doing here today. We're going to honor her filmography and her legacy, and we're going to talk about the great movies that she's made. So let's just dig right in. Um, so I didn't get to see We Go Way Back, but tell me about it. Like, what did you think of it? And also, what's this movie about exactly? Because I don't even. I'm not even sure what it's about. I, I think you'd you'd relate to it because you're a theater guy. You've you've done mm-hmm. some plays uh, because it's all about a small independent theater troupe in somewhere in Seattle or near Seattle. Oh um, yeah, and it focuses around kind of the main actress of the troupe and how she's completely overworked and reflecting on her childhood. Um. Oh, so okay. I don't know if you've ever been in like a really small organization like that where one person has to take on a bunch of the burden for the show, like not even just performing, but doing all the organizing aspects of it. But in that respect, it seems super realistic. Like I've known people like that. I think I would like that actually, because that does kind of remind me about like some stuff. I, I was in high school and I directed a play and um, 
like two weeks before the show, the main actor dropped out, and then I was like, "Oh crap, I have to, I have to step in now." Right. So that I can, I can relate to having to take on like a burden and whatnot. And then also, I mean, like when you're directing, it feels like you're doing everything. Like you, mm-hmm. like just when you're when you're directing stuff, even if you have people helping you. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say when you're a director. I should say when you're Matt Hall, because the way my mind works <laughs> is okay. I, I need to do everything my way, or this is not going to work. And it's like you, you're an idiot, man. You have so many people better at their jobs helping you, and you can't, you can't work through it. <laughs> it's exhausting. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I would watch that movie and go, man, I can relate to that, but also maybe I'm kind of an asshole. Uh. No, I, I think I think this character's thing was more like she can't say no to anyone in this small organization. They're like, oh, could you pick up these props? Could you do this? Could you make sure we have the venue? And to her, yeah. it's just like, it, it's basically like three separate jobs and they don't make her money. But there's also a lot of experimental filmmaking in it that, I don't think yeah. she does ever again in her films. Yeah. So there's like dream sequences. There's some kind of surreality between her her adult personality and her childhood personality. So that stuff's interesting, but that kind of flagged it to me as like, yeah, that's kind of a first film a little bit. Yeah. You're still finding your footing and your style. Yeah. Um, like you said in the intro, she did... Um a lot of experimental short films, which yeah. unfortunately I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch any. Did you get to see any of them? No, a lot of her stuff was hard for me to find in general. Right? Um Yeah, and like Touchy Feely, I was telling you, like I literally found that like at a store. Like I when we decided to do this podcast, I was like, oh, I know Touchy Feely is at a store, you know, <laughs> 30 minutes away from me, so I can drive down there and like pick it up, but yeah, like it, it was by no means an easy thing to do. I couldn't even like rent it on iTunes if I wanted yeah. to. So, yeah. And then What the Funny and My Effortless Brilliance, which were the two that she's done after we go way back. Yeah, I, re- I really it. wanted to watch What the Funny, too, because it's, it's supposed to be like a mockumentary, right? I just couldn't find it. I scoured everywhere, even like torrent sites and stuff. Nobody had it. Damn, you check one, two, three movies. <laughs> I, I think I missed that one, but I doubt it. I honestly doubt yeah, it's anywhere. I doubt it too, honestly. That also, I mean, it's a sketchy site. <laughs> it is, so maybe we shouldn't promote it. But um. yeah, don't go there without an ad blocker and an antivirus. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. But yeah, but yeah. no, it, it's very disappointing that, like, I just thank God for Amazon Prime that they had. We go way back. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, I might check that one out though. That sounds. Would you? Would you say it's a good movie? I'd say it's good, and even where it kind of lacks, it's not very long, you know? Yeah. So it, I think it's it's under an hour and a half. So yeah, I think it's like 79 minutes or something like that, so it's yeah. very short. Yeah. It's worth a watch if you're a fan of her style and you want to see where it started, because there's a lot of echoes from there on to her later stuff. Like, what worked really well in We Go Way Back, you'll see later on in her filmography. Yeah. Yeah, that's always interesting. I always love looking at a, a director's filmography and just looking at their first movie and their last movie and seeing how much they've like just grown and improved over time. Yeah. And there are some issues that I have with her movies, um, but I feel like sort of trust. Like some of the issues I've had with her earlier movies, I feel like they're solved or at least kind of done differently and mm-hmm. and work better in her later stuff, which I just think is really um interesting and that's the thing i love about her is that she seems like she was well like i listened to her podcast that she did with mark Marin, which is also like it's also weird to listen to because they were 
it was like way it was like years before they were together like yeah. it was like three or four years before they started dating and they were just like talking to each other and i'm like this is so weird like you guys should be like you know like you should be dating already what the hell you it's know? really interesting because they hit it off immediately and that's like their first real meeting right yeah so yeah it's, cool, it, you know? it's an interesting time capsule yeah no for sure but basically what i'm saying is um She's always she's always had like really interesting themes in her movies. Uh, we go way back. I was looking at her her Wikipedia, and it said that it was exploring a theme of like I think she said like in adolescence she kind of lost her creativity and her confidence and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lost confidence in her creativity in adolescence, and this experience contributed to a theme she explored in her 2005 film *We Go Way Back*. So, do you see that kind of oh yeah showing up in that movie? There's the big like tension point in that movie is looking through letters that her 13 year old self wrote to her older self, mm. and sort of that trying to find that childhood creativity again. Yeah. And so it, it creates a lot of anxiety from there. It, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, you're, the stuff you're describing. I'm like, how is this movie 79 minutes? I'm like, wow, like, yeah, there's a so lot in there. Yeah. Oh man, I'm actually really pumped to check it out. I feel like with every podcast binge we do, there's always like one or two movies I don't get to. So same. <laughs> when we're done season one, I might just binge all of those movies, and be, and I feel like this one will be the one where I'm like, okay, I, I kind of wish I watched that one because. Yeah. I mean, like, hey, I love I love Michael Keaton, but I, I wasn't super keen on watching Multiplicity you know, <laughs> during that. But this one I'm interested in. Yeah, um, it, it's beautiful too. Some of the most interesting cinematography from all of her films, I think, but that might just be because she's clearly going for something a little more experimental. Yeah, I love that. Um, she also just, uh, like her Wikipedia page, I just find her so interesting, like all the stuff that she like has said and done and whatnot. And she mm-hmm. said her influences are Claire Dennis, Woody Allen, and Ingmar Bergman. And I just think that's such an interesting, like, group of people because they seem so different but i can kind of yeah i can kind of see i mean like i haven't seen any movies by claire dennis or i don't even think i've seen any Ing- ingmar bergman like movie. seventh oh, no, seal I, I saw the seventh seal yeah. but i didn't see any other ones um <laughs> but <laughs> you jumped on me there you were like excuse me the seventh seal. i was like no no no, no. I saw that you're one. a so, movie fan <laughs> <laughs> Not in this house, mortal, you know? Um, so. <laughs> I'm looking at my Criterion collection of Seven Seal right now. I'm going to ship it to you if you haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, you actually have a Criterion collection of it? I do, yes. Oh, you lucky bastards. My God. Um, yeah, no, I, I can I can see these, like, popping up in her movies, which is really interesting. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's just weird to see, like, to say, like, oh, like, New Yorker. Woody Allen and Ingmar Bergman, Swedish director who's like incredible, known for being amazing. And those are like two of the three influences on her mumblecore movies. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think that I just find that because like, I feel like if, I don't know if it, any other director would be like, oh, Woody Allen and Ingmar Bergman, but they would make like a, they wouldn't make like a, like a mumblecore movie. It just, I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they try to make like a bigger budget type 
surrealistic comedy or something like that. Yeah. She kind of does that, but on a, on a smaller scale, but in the, at the same time, I feel like it's more satisfying almost. Yeah. Know, and it's, it's interesting. And very, very character focused as well. Oh, yeah. Not so much scale, but just the more, more the scale of the emotions, maybe like the emotions are oh, huge. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I will say like she has very interesting themes in all of her movies. So mm-hmm. um, anything else you want to say about We Go Way Back or? That's about it. Check it out if you've ever seen a bad local play. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in some, so let's, uh, we'll have to check that out. (laughs) No, every play I've been in is incredible, so, yeah, no. Of course, you're in I might not be able to, yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying that so nobody's like, hey, oh my god. Was that the play I was in, too? (laughs) That was the play I was in? What the hell? Don't cast that guy ever. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Everyone does their best. Everyone does their best, yeah. Um, yeah, so like we said, What the Funny and My Effortless Brilliance, uh, we could not find anywhere. Um, like, Jesus, man, like, just come on. (laughs) I know. Make make streaming earlier. This is why I'm so obsessed with physical media. It's for reasons like this that I can't find movies ever. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think Um, My Effortless Brilliance is on, uh, the US Amazon, and I tried renting it, and it just spun eternally. Like, it just loaded and loaded. Like, I left it open. I left my computer open for like 24 hours, and nothing loaded in. So, good luck in Canada. <laughs> I love that. It's like you go back in like a year, and it's like, okay, we got like three minutes of the movie. If, you, if you're curious, we got a trailer. We got a trailer. Yeah. Terrible. I, I love that you can find interviews of her talking about the movie way more. Or easier than you can find the movie itself yeah um yeah we'll definitely have to do a podcast on why streaming is annoying as shit but oh anyway yeah um next movie that she made was actually a really big one i feel like this one kind of put her on the map in a small way uh mm-hmm. it was hump day um this movie's this movie's really good like i really enjoyed this movie a lot um Basically, do you know the plot of Hump Day? No, I was trying desperately to find it. <laughs> so basically, it's about this guy, Mark Duplass, and he's married, um, and he's trying to have a kid, and Joshua Leonard is like his friend from um, from college, basically his roommate. Uh, I think Joshua Leonard, I think he was in the Blair Witch Project. I can't remember. For okay. Sure, but, but he's really good. He's a really good actor. He was in that movie Unsane as well that Steven Soderbergh did, and mm. it's a great movie. But anyway, um, they're kind of like Mark Duplass uh, when Joshua Leonard comes back into his life. He's kind of like, no, like I, I'm still like a party animal. I'm still cool, even though like he's obviously you know white picket fence, very settled down, very clearly trying to have a kid and whatnot. So he's basically no, like you know, like I'm cool too. Like I can I can do whatever I want. I'm still like a crazy guy. And then they kind of are like drunk one night. And it's cool, too, because this movie actually has a performance from Lynn Shelton in it, which is okay. cool. Okay, it's rare. she actually did some acting. She's in uh, Sword of Trust, which we'll get to later on. Yeah. But, yeah, no, she was a great actress, too. But anyway, um, yeah, basically, they're, um, they're talking about, like, this porn festival, like, this kind of, um, this festival where they kind of spin porn on his head like they'll take like a pornography but they'll do something kind of different with it kind of unique and play with the format of it Mm. so they're like oh why don't we make like a a gay porn but it's two straight guys having sex (laughs) like that's the idea and they're like that's never really been done before but then they're kind of like 
trying to kind of like out macho each other. Like neither of them really want to do it, but they're trying to kind of prove <laughs> that they can both, if they want to, they can do it. So they're like, no, I'll do it. I'll fuck you. Yeah, I'll fuck you. I'm 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 more manly than you because I will fuck you. So that's kind of where some of the comedy comes from it. And then it just becomes like. Because after a while, you're like, they're not really going to do this, are they? And then by the end of it, you're like, wait a minute. Like, are they going to? Because it gets to a point where you're like, I feel like this might actually happen. (laughs) Um, But it's really funny in that way. But the thing I like about this movie is not that it's just, like, super funny. Because Lynn Shelton, all of her movies, she grounds them so far in reality. And they don't ever feel like her actors are ever trying to pull for laughs or anything like that. I yeah, like even when it gets super surreal or oh, yeah. uncomfortable, she 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 grounds that discomfort in a real emotion and it makes exactly. it even more uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And that's what she was even saying too. Like she's like I don't want people reaching for jokes. I just want it to be like real and then that's what makes it even funnier. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, the thing I liked about Hump Day is that it, it is so real that like there is a certain point where Mark Duplass is like, hey, man, like, I don't know, like, about my sexuality. Like, I'm not certain, like, if I'm even, like, going the right way here, like, in my life, like, being married and whatnot. And then it kind of becomes like a conversation of, like, I feel like I need to do this because, and that's kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Um, where he's kind of like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I feel like we, we maybe need to do this just to see, like, if this is something that I want to do, or this is a part of my life that I need to be open about. Hmm. Um, and Mark Duplass is really good in this movie. I mean, like, I don't think I've ever seen him be like bad, or at least not. I've never seen him be terrible. I've seen like, you know, the Lazarus effect, where I'm like, okay, that wasn't that was <laughs> bad, but you know, he was fine ish, yeah. but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, the thing I love about Hump Day is that there is like a real moment in this movie and it does become like a real drama. But then like, it's never like, it doesn't just become a drama at all. Like, it's always funny too. There's always bits of humor that relieve the, the tension, I guess you mm. could say. <laughs> I mean, it's not the most like life-threatening thing where it's like, hey, like, you know, two guys, we need to fuck. But like, it is interesting. Like, I don't know. it this is a good movie and I would highly recommend it because it, it is really interesting and I like the way that she handles a man who's not quite comfortable with growing up maybe, but is also yeah. um, maybe not a hundred percent sure about that. He's made the right decisions in his life or maybe is thinking maybe I need to reevaluate how I feel sexually and about all that kind of stuff. So it's funny. Cause like the, you wouldn't, really you don't see that often for male character arcs to like question their sexuality and stuff like Mm -hmm. that or to have like a so-called perfect life and question whether that's satisfying so that's interesting yeah yeah and i mean like it's not like a huge part of the movie it's kind of more like an idea Mm -hmm. that's kind of brought up but there is like a monologue that mark duplass gives that he's basically talking about that so I don't know. I, I, I thought that was an interesting part of it. That's the other thing with her movies, too. I always feel like you can kind of extract a meaning from these movies. Like, even if she didn't intend it, you can yeah. kind of watch her movies and be like, I think this might mean this and this might mean that. But And whether she implies that or not or is consciously doing that or not, I think it's still interesting because, I mean, like I feel like any good filmmaker, you can watch their movie and you can think, hmm, that might mean that, even though it 
it might not. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just think that's interesting. I think that's where the Ingmar Bergman part of her, her artistic, uh, what's it called? Her style or her vision? Her influence, yeah. I okay. think that might come from Igmar Bergman. Because there's always, there's always a lot to unpack with her movies, even though it's, like I said, like kind of small scale, um, for lack of a better term. But mm-hmm. I like that. I, I like being able to to take a story that says one thing, but maybe being able to pull something different from it. Yeah, there's so many layers you can dig into through like any kind of lens you apply to basically yeah. all her work and get something different out of it. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, no, I highly recommend Hump Day if you haven't seen it. For you especially, I, I, I'd rent it um, on iTunes for $5. It's worth okay. it. Okay, I'll do that. Let's talk about your sister's sister. Wow. This is like the the greatest Greek tragedy that never existed <laughs> ad- adapted into Mumblecore. It feels right. like the most primal drama but right? that I, I've never seen that kind of like this type of story unfold, but it's universally relatable. Like just the idea on yeah. paper, you're like, yeah. that is fucked and I'm feeling something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I love this movie. I, I really love it. And um, I'm disappointed because this came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 2012, I was like, I really wanted to make like a top 10 best list of the movies in 2011. But I was like, I want it to be like, Perfect. So I tried to see like every movie that came out in 2011. <laughs> so there was still like I look back a couple years uh, like ago, and the list was still so long. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like this is insane. I can't watch all of these. But I was kind of crossing them off again, just because I'm like, I mean, like I might as well finish what I started. You know, like maybe when I'm 93, I'll be like, finally, I saw all the movies from 2011. But <laughs> on to um, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but your sister's sister, I didn't see like back in in the day. Like I didn't see it in 2012. I saw it years later on, and I was like, oh, I never got to that one. I should check it out. I really like Mark Duplass, and I watched it, and I was like, my God, how did I miss this one? Because this one is so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good, and it's so short. It's so funny. It's so dramatic. Yeah, and there's just there's so much to love about this movie. Like I remember, like if I made a top ten best list of the twenty movies of twenty eleven, like right now, hundred percent, this would be on it. Yeah, this would this might crack my my all time favorites because really, damn, it's it's such from from the writing all the way to the to the directing, but especially the writing. I think this is one of my favorite things about Lynn Shelton's movies that I started noticing after this oh, yeah. is. From the moment a character enters one of her films, she so quickly establishes who they are, what they want, and maybe what they're insecure about without making it obvious. Like, she's so effective. And I think that's what makes her movie so easy to watch because there's not a wasted moment. It doesn't Mm -hmm. go on for too long. And you're immediately engaged. And I got this right away. Like, Mark Duplass's speech to his, his dead brother, the opening scene, is like, okay, there's some shit going on here. You had yeah. you were into his his partner, Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. and you're bitter about about that. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that. I love how you made a good point about her characters. <clears throat> she always has good characters, almost always, I should say. Sometimes later on, I, I I can maybe pull out a couple characters where I'm like, that guy was a little underdeveloped and whatnot, mm. but. Honestly, off the top of my head, I can think of, like, one, and it's not even that bad. Like, 
So it just goes to show how great uh, she is at making characters. Yeah. And the thing is, back to Hump Day, just for a second, mm-hmm. uh, that I forgot to mention, is the character of Mark Duplass's wife, she's not just, like, the wife who's a bitch, you know? Which I really liked, because I think she even said that on her podcast with Mark Maron. I can't quite remember, but I think she said, like, she didn't want any character to just be, like, you know, whatever, or, or anything like that. Like, right. she wants every character in her movie to be... Um, as fleshed out as possible, mm-hmm. which I really like because that that wife, the the character in Hump Day, who plays Mark Duplass's wife, is fully fleshed out, even if she's not on screen that much. Um, but like you feel for her, and you don't, you don't, um, you're not like, man, why is she making a big deal out of this? Like you get it, you get where yeah. she's coming from. It's reasonable. She's not just some like cardboard cutout, cookie cutter character. She's three-dimensional and i can say that about pretty much i can say that pretty much about any of her characters that she's always creating three-dimensional people yeah i think um, uh in her in one of her interviews with Marin, uh she talked about how her and the actors have extensive backstories for all of the characters whether or not yeah. that backstory shows up in the movie and you can tell oh yeah yeah, no, that's um, that's something too. Like, I I love when actors do that. That's what I try and do when I act and whatnot. Like, I try and always like make the most like extensive backstory possible mm-hmm. because I feel like that is the best way to get a good performance is just to know who you are. You know, yeah, getting that, that headspace, getting that headspace. Yeah, and I feel like I just love that she does that like entirely with every character in the movie. Like, even if they they show up for like five seconds, I feel like they have a backstory where they're like, "This is this is who I am. This is where I've been. This is all of that." Mm-hmm. And here it is that I that I really love. Yeah. She does that very well. Yeah. Can we talk about Emily Blunt here for a second? Oh, like, yeah. Go ahead. Dude, I think this is her best performance ever. I could see that. Yeah. I think it's um, this, A Quiet Place, mm. and then I'm trying to think what else she was in. Because she, you know, she was uh, Devil Wears Prada as well. Like, she was great in that. But I don't know, man. This This performance of Emily Blunt, though, like... I don't know. She just feels like a real person, like just a real person who, you know, like I feel like Emily Blunt kind of gets sometimes just put in the role of like, oh, the hot chick, the hot girlfriend, the mm-hmm. cute, the cute girl, like even like the adjustment bureau. I'm like, who, who are you? You know, like, who, right. Who are you exactly? I, I'm, I'm not shitting on the adjustment bureau. It's been years since I've seen it. So I can't really, you know, comment that much on it. But like, your sister's sister, it's just, like, it's really different to see her in that movie. because She feel like goes through so much. Yeah. And that's what I think is, like, so great about that. I think yeah. this is I, I think this is definitely in her top five performances. I would say, like, this, A Quiet Place, Sicario, oh, Edge yeah. of Tomorrow, and maybe, uh, I don't know, Devil Wears Prada. I like it. I like Streep, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this is so much more focused on that performance because she gets so much room to be to be in love to be betrayed to be guilty like there's there's so much range in there and again in just like 90 minutes this movie that's what i was just gonna say i'm like how do they do so much in such little time Mm -hmm. you know and yeah and i mean like i feel like everybody in this movie 
gets that, you know, like everybody in this movie gets a, a good amount of time because it is 90 minutes. And like, if you look at Wikipedia, it, it says four people are in the cast. Yeah. Um, Emily Blunt, Rosemary Duet, Mark Duplass, and then Mike Berbiglia, who's literally only at the beginning. <laughs> like, he speaks like three sentences. <laughs> yeah. And then he's out of the movie. I could see this working really well on stage. Oh, 100%. I mean, you said it was a Greek tragedy. Like, yeah. This genuinely is. They should have made <laughs> They should have made this a Greek tragedy. Thy sister's sister, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. I I love this movie. I, I think it's fantastic. And I think yeah, I think Mark Duplass is really good in this movie. I yeah. I love Mark Duplass no matter what. Um sometimes I feel like in these like I feel like a lot of mumblecore actors, I feel like maybe Sometimes they always kind of play like a similar kind of archetype of themselves, you know? Like, yeah. Mark Duplass, I'm just going to use in the, as an example. And I'm not saying that's even a bad thing. I'm just saying like that, that's kind of what you have to do in a Mumblecore movie because so much of it is improvised that you can't even really like – you can't like totally change your persona because that's just, that's just really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he – play he has he always has layers to him and this one i feel like is the most prominent of how many layers he can have yeah um and like he's funny in some parts but and you can tell he's kind of trying to cover up some of his um some of his pain but he's also you know he's very clearly showing it in other parts of it Mm -hmm. yeah he's always great um he's awesome He's yeah. he's like a he's like a dramatic Tom Segura almost. Like, do you get <laughs> I can kind of see it in the face, yeah, without a beard. Yeah. <laughs> and a better head of hair. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another really good Mark Duplass movie that I highly recommend is uh The One I Love with him and Elizabeth Moss. Okay. I haven't that seen that. That one's really good. Yeah, that one, Blue Jay with um him and Sarah Paulson is really good as well. Uh, mm-hmm. That one's on Netflix. And then Creep. The Creep movies are so good. Um, okay. I don't know if you've seen those, but oh, my God. Um, oh, I got to check out more more of his stuff. I've seen him. Yeah. At, like, Is he the guy in Office Space? He is not. That oh. is uh, Ron Livingston. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Yeah. But speaking of Ron Livingston, Ron Livingston is in Touchy Feely, her next movie. Oh, wow. That yeah, was a really a organic. Nice transition. <laughs> nice organic transition there man wow um was that all you had to say about um your sister's sister high praise yeah that's all that's all i got high praise yeah also i'll say this too because we are going to get to the list later on um no matter what my list is at the end of the movie or at the at the, at the end of the movie at the end of this <laughs> podcast uh this is my favorite lynn shelton movie yeah um yeah i spoilers but i don't know it's a podcast you know are you really are you really listening to the podcast because you're ooh, like what are they gonna say at the end it's so intense you know? i hope so kind of i hope so i hope you're <laughs> sitting on the edge of your seat <laughs> i hope listening to this podcast is like watching point break jesus yeah <laughs> um all righty touchy feely so you didn't get a chance to see this one no this one is not her greatest movie. Okay. Um, I feel like this and her next movie weren't the greatest. They were a little bit weaker, mm. but they were still good. And I and you were saying this about Laggies, which is her next movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that like even though it's not the greatest movie, there are still aspects 
in it that are really interesting yeah. and really good, which I can say about Touchy Feely as well. I like it's not the greatest movie ever, but would I watch it again? Sure. Yeah, I'll watch it again. I liked it. It's it's not the best movie ever, but I feel like it can grow on me in the future and yeah, it's got some interesting themes and ideas. Hmm. Um So this one has a really good cast. It has Rosemary Duet, uh Allison Janney, Ellen Page, okay. Josh Pace. I don't know if you know who that is. I I didn't either, but I got to know his name now because he's he's so good in this movie. Damn. Um Scoot McNary and Ron Livingston. So great cast. Yeah, really good cast. Um, basically Rosemary Duet is like a massage therapist and her brother, Josh Pays is a dentist. And it's interesting because Rosemary Duet all of a sudden doesn't want to touch anybody. And she's like, oh my God, this really bothers me. Like I can't, I can't touch people. So she can't do her job basically. Damn. And then Josh Pays is, um, all of a sudden getting a ton of work at his, uh, dental practice. Uh, place of employment basically mm-hmm. which is really interesting like how it just switches and turns into something where they both kind of uh are on opposite sides right um but it's interesting because they both kind of like find themselves in different ways i i enjoyed this because there were some ideas here where i i feel like did you did you listen to the what the fuck podcast with Mark Marin. Yeah, I listened to a couple in the background. Oh, okay. Did she? I know she talked a little bit about this movie, but she was talking about like depression a little bit. Now, did she say that this one kind of was inspired by that? Because I could kind of see how. I think so. Okay, that makes sense because there are some parts of this where I'm like, I feel like that might be mentioning, like that might be um, like a metaphor or something for depression because there are parts of it where I was like, that. You know, that that looks like something where she's not in a good state mm. and that that is affecting her. Um, and it's interesting, like, like for example, like not being able to do her job, not being able to touch people. Yeah. Um, including like her boyfriend who she's close with. Like, I thought that was interesting that she all of a sudden like is like, I don't want to touch my boyfriend. I don't want to be anywhere near him and I don't want to touch anybody. So right. she can't do her job. And then later on, she sees her ex-boyfriend and is able to, like, touch him. But then she goes back to her current boyfriend, if that makes any sense. Okay. So it kind of almost seemed like she had to kind of wrap up her previous relationship and kind of dig into that and kind of heal some of that so that she could move forward. Which I thought was interesting because, I mean, like, that's just just a real idea right there. Yeah. You just have to... You have to touch up the past to be able to move forward. And I like that that was in the movie. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. And then, yeah, no, there are always, they're really good performances in this. There are good funny scenes. Josh Pace, I like never really known who the guy was, but I'll definitely keep my eye open for him hmm. uh, if I ever see him in the future. I think he was in Joker, but I don't know who he played. Huh. Um yeah, no, but I I love I, I I love that movie Joker, but yeah, no, I think I mean I think he was good in that. But anyway, um, we'll have to do an episode on the Joker in the future because I didn't really like it. Yeah, we'll I have, have thoughts to do that for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe it's one of those movies on the second time you'll be like, oh okay, yeah, but it, it might be, yeah, yeah. But then again, like I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying like that's 
necessary because I might even watch it again and be like, okay, meh, you know? <laughs> so I'm prepared. Future. But yeah, um, yeah, no, but the performances in this movie are great and it's interesting. Um, it's mm. not the greatest, but I do like that this does seem to come from a personal place of Lynn Shelton and whether the movie is like the most successful, I do like that there is attempts at something really cool and really interesting here and she does succeed like i wouldn't say that she like totally succeeds but there are parts of this movie that really do work for me and i mean it's not that long either it's like 88 minutes so i mean okay so so what what didn't work for you again um i don't know i think it might just be maybe the style just right felt a little bit flat you know Okay. Like the style really kind of worked for your sister's sister, but this one, I don't know, something about it kind of felt like mm. it felt like it, it maybe should have been maybe more like it should have been directed a little bit more like what what do you call it? Um like just the energy or something seemed a little off. Hmm. And then it was also a bit of a funky plot because the plot wasn't the most normal thing ever, but then again, that's also something that might turn around and become different on a uh on another viewing right it just didn't Um, work yeah it just didn't totally work and i mean this one did get kind of mixed reviews but Hmm. i do think that she had a lot of good ideas for this movie and yeah i like the ideas you've laid out yeah no i like them too um i i I think it's more one of her more movies where i feel like you watch it and you kind of take something away from it in more of an analytical type way but I I don't think this one's as fun to watch. That sounds really harsh, but I don't no, think but it's that like makes sense. yeah yeah. I I don't think it's like because I feel like your sister's sister and Hump Day. I feel like those movies you could like and sort of trust, especially. But like mm-hmm. you could come home on a Friday night and be like, man, I'm really tired. Like, what can I do? I just want to like kind of shut my brain off for like an hour and a half. And you could turn on like any one of those three movies and just kind of enjoy yourself. Be entertained. Be entertained. Yeah. And then there's a little, there's some deeper stuff in those movies too. But like for the most part, I mean, they are comedies, so you will laugh and whatnot. This one is a comedy, but I don't think it's as funny. Hmm. And it's just, it's more one where I'm like, I'm taking more, I kind of have to read into it more to, kind of get more out of it right but i i feel like this one you ha- you kind of have to you you're only going to get out of it what you put into it if that makes sense yeah you have to put some work in to think about it yeah but the other ones i feel like they they're a little bit easier to kind of digest so interesting um but i i would still if you're a fan of her stuff i would still recommend it i maybe wouldn't recommend it like as much as hump day or your sister's sister but if you're if you've seen those movies and you've seen sort of trust and you've seen like all of her other stuff mm-hmm. and you're curious i mean like i would i would definitely say check it out because it is an interesting movie and it it is one that i'm that i am thinking this much about like i do think that that is something good because usually i'll see a movie i'm like wow there's a lot to unpack there and then i won't think about it (laughs) so i'm happy that at least like she laid it out in a way where she didn't really say like this means this or that means that but i'm still able to go oh well i think this means this and kind of i'm making my own interpretation yeah so there's a message in there yeah and and it's a good message and i i like that that's the thing i the thing i like about her is i feel like she doesn't really have any bad movies because touchy feely is one of her lesser ones but it's really Mm. not bad at all like 
by any means. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. I would give it a positive review. Um, but yeah, um, and we go way back. Doesn't even sound like it's, you know, like a negative review from you. It just sounds more like it's something she maybe had to grow into. Yeah. Um, which I love. I, I love that she, she made a lot of good movies and never really anything that was, you know, not outright bad. Yeah. Outright bad or anything like that. You know, barely even mediocre. Um, it's true. Yeah. So tell me about Laggies. Um, I saw most of this, but I didn't see the end of it. I just didn't have time. But Laggies is one that the more I sit with it, the more I like it. Yeah. Which is weird. Because watching it, I hated every character in it. But really? I, that's kind of the point, I feel like. Like, they are the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's a relatable idea of, like, all these young people in a group, you know, starting to move on to this next phase of life, marriage, kids, all that. Mm-hmm. And they're they're pulling so- one of their friends into it who clearly isn't there yet. She's mm-hmm. kind of stuck in this immature mindset. That's Kira Knightley's character. Yeah. I, I like that idea a lot. And I think it's rare that you see women written that way either. Because you always see like the the loser guy who needs to find a Katherine Heigl to whip him into shape. But this was kind of the opposite, but still not as stereotypical. Like it's way more, there's way more dimension mm. and you kind of understand wh- where she's coming from. And it's not like any any stuffy partner can just whip her into shape. So yeah. I think this also is the first... Or the first I noticed where Shelton kind of has a thing for presenting relationships that make make people uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. in Sister Sister, there's some discomfort in the relationships, but I mean more specifically between like an adult and a and a younger person, like a teenager. Yeah. That kind of comes back later in Outside In. But this oh, for yeah. sure, I was like, oh, stop yeah. hanging out around teenagers. Why are you at a teenager's party, Kira Knightley? <laughs> yeah, but like right. I also get where she's coming from sort of like she doesn't want to move on with her life she's going backwards exactly yeah no this one this one was interesting and that's actually some good points that you brought up because i do feel like that Mm -hmm. and i do i did like this movie um it's like i said i haven't finished it but i will finish it like i will watch the last i think i got like 20 25 minutes left of it Mm -hmm. um but I will, I will finish it because I do enjoy it. Um, it's interesting that you say you hate every character in it because I kind of liked the characters in it. But I can see where you're coming from. Fair. Like, I, I, I guess they're, it's, it's a likable type of, um, like they're likable jerks kind of thing, you know? Like yes. you'd love to hate them almost. Um, not so much of like, oh, this fucking guy again. Um, yeah, yeah. Except with Mark Webber, like who I who I always like. I always like Mark Webber. I don't know why, but in this movie, he really bothered me. But now you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, that's the point. He, I mean, he. I don't think I'm supposed to like him at all. Mm-hmm. So good job, Mark Webber. Yeah. <laughs> good, good job being the annoying shit, like college boy boyfriend. Like, yeah. Hey, I got this wedding ring for you. I got it at a Jason Mraz concert. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good impression. (laughs) He is annoying. And I think especially like that whole thing where he keeps trying to get her to go to a conference and to like improve herself. Like what animal are you? Like that kind of thing is like, it's like, I know people like that and I don't, I I just, they're not as much of a caricature, but also like it is very easy to hate on. Yeah, it's very easy. I mean, oh man, 
it was just so annoying, and I'm just like, please don't come back on screen. Like, I just, I can't. Um, you know, he he bugged me. Uh, but I like you said, I think that's the point. I love mm. Sam Rockwell in this movie. I mean, I always love him no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, too, with this movie, I feel like it's kind of predictable. Um, oh, yeah. Every, every story beat, as I was sitting there, I was like, yeah, okay, I see where this is going to go. Yeah. I still want to see it go there. Yeah. The, the the thing that's interesting, I think, about this is because, yes, the story beats, you know where they're going to go, but it feels like it's done in a different way. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's the, the usual thing. Like, like, like you said, the, this time it's the girl who's the, the schlub. Who's, yeah. Who's kind of the slob and acting like that. And it's also weird because it's Kira Knightley who's like, one of the most like polished female actresses out there. Like she's very accomplished. She's very young too. And like, she was in like love actually when she was like 17 or 18. Like mm-hmm. She was so young, which is actually really creepy. Now that we say that, cause she's like That's getting true. married in that movie and she's like 17. So you're like, Ooh, um, <laughs> but yeah, she's so young and she's so talented. She was in like pride and prejudice when she was in like 2005. She must've yeah. been like 20. And she was doing like Jane Austen movies as the lead. Yeah, she is very, she's known to be like prim and proper. Yeah. So to see her play like the Adam Sandler, Seth Rogen like type. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, let me squeeze Buddha's nipples, you know? Yeah. yeah. What the hell? And then it was also interesting because I feel like every character in this movie played like the opposite kind of thing, except Mm -hmm. for like Sam Rockwell. I mean, like he kind of played the Sam Rockwell character that you expected. And Chloe Grace Moretz, I feel like she played the Chloe, the Chloe Grace Moretz that you usually know her as, like the kind of the, you know, oh, badass kind of a, teen. I'm kind of a rebel, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. But she was the only Knightley. one who was likable because being like an asshole is is all right when you're a teenager. I'm like, yes, yeah. I knew I knew people like that. I know people like that. So exactly. I also got to say, Ellie Kemper plays like a total bitch in this movie and it was so weird i'm like kimmy schmidt what happened yeah like, you're supposed to be so likable i know but yeah i know um this is also interesting because i think this might be the only movie that lynn shelton didn't write yes i was thinking the same thing yes um yeah that's interesting um but i can see why she chose this script or why she wanted to do mm-hmm. this script because it does kind of feel like her movie um like yeah. a movie that she would write or something like that. And I could um, see this being way more paint by numbers if it was from any other director. Oh, yeah. No, it would have just been a rom-com. Yeah. And that's what I liked. I, I like that there's something about her movies that just feels different. Like, yes, this is a movie that is very by the book in terms of like romantic comedies. But yeah. like, like we said, like the way it's done, it feels very different. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like it's kind of been like rearranged almost. And you're like, yeah, didn't expect it to go this way. Even just like the, the discomfort, right? Like there's this, there's this, she doesn't paint Kira Knightley ever as like the most likable person. It's like this, she's kind of a schemer. She's kind of weird for hanging out with, with teenagers. And she's like in her mid twenties. Like it's exactly, it's more like what Lynn Shelton usually does with her own stories is like make find the emotion in the discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I absolutely love about this, uh, this directing 
choice from her. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just I always find it weird when directors take on other people's scripts, but they still maintain their own style. Yeah, like I always find that, like that's the thing I found so weird about David Fincher lately is that I realize he's never like actually written any of the movies he's made. But it's so clear he made them. Yeah, yeah. It's just with like, and I know that's like his directing style, but it's weird because the script mm-hmm. feels like. Like, they all seem like similar movies. They yeah. have similar styles. But they're written by completely different people. And I'm like, that's so weird that, you know? Like, like mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not the social network, because that's very obviously, like, Aaron Sorkin. But, like, but still, it, girl, it's yes. centered around, e- even, even the social network is centered around, like, this unlikable psychopath who just ruins relationships. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, according to SNL, he's basically a robot, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg, but I mean, he is, um, <laughs> you see that photo of him like surfing? Yeah. Like, he's thick. What was that? <laughs> My God. But yeah, no, I always find that interesting. Like they, they, it definitely feels like a Lynn Shelton movie, which I mean, I, I feel like that is hard to do when it's, when it's not a, yeah. script, a script that you've written. Um, so yeah, no, I think that that's I think this movie, yeah, not the not the best, but definitely interesting. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that like I if I'm ever going to think about like a romantic comedy, I probably won't think about Laggies, or if I do, I would think about it more as an unconventional romantic comedy mm-hmm. with conventional beats like on paper it's conventional, in practice it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like about this. I I'm glad that this is like it's different. I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad that we can say that. Good stuff. Alrighty. Had to take a bite of my donut. Let's get ready to talk about yeah, outside in. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this one? Again, like one of her best. Easily. Oh, yeah. It's so it's so rooted in that uncomfortable relationship, like a lot of her other right? stuff. But this is more kind of like in a relationship that ultimately doesn't go anywhere. I don't know if that's a spoiler. It goes like, you know, sex is had, but it's not really like a full, <laughs> it's not fulfilled as a relationship, you know? Yeah. I don't know. The ending kind of, it made me think like it kind of left the door open, but mm. it, it didn't feel like it was going to be super successful. It kind of felt like it would be like, eh. It's like the way that relationships kind of actually do fizzle out in real life, right? Like you Mm -hmm. might get intimate and there might be some passion in there, but ultimately it just, there's some kind of incompatibility or difference in lifestyle that just, it's not, it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Let's just talk about the performances first for this thing. Like, holy shit. Um, I was talking earlier about weak performances um, there's only one in this movie, and this is the only one in her whole filmography that I can really say. It's Edie Falco's husband. Oh, yeah. I Who was he even? He seemed like just like a local theater actor, right? Yeah. He just really bothered me because he just seemed to be very cookie cutter, like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't want to talk about this issue. Yeah, there wasn't me. much to him. Yeah. But that being said, J.U. Plass, Edie Falco, Caitlin Deaver... Ben Schwartz, basically everybody in this movie, mm-hmm. incredible. Like, holy shit, this movie is filled with incredible performances. So much that I can forget about the the father. I mean, he's barely in this movie. Yeah. Um, but everybody else, 
is so good, especially J. Duplass and Edie Falco. Wow. They can say so much with so little. Yeah, that, that moment that keeps I keep thinking about is when they first get in the car together in mm-hmm. the first maybe 20 minutes of, of the movie. They don't say anything, but just with the look, especially from Edie Falco, I'm like, this shit's romantic, or at least one of them thinks it's romantic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, I the, like I was wondering, like, did they fuck? That's that's <laughs> all I can think during that car scene. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's totally fair too because, like, there is something there where, like, I don't know. You can see the thing I like about this movie is that you can see it from both of their perspectives. You can see how Edie Falco is uncomfortable because she wanted to get this guy out of prison. Yeah. And now he sees it as romantic, which he doesn't. Yeah. But she's like, I don't like, I don't want this. Like, I don't want this, but I feel bad because you've been in prisons for so long. So you don't really like understand like the way the world kind of works and whatnot. And every other relationship in his life is, has disappeared except for her. Like for her, that, that's yeah, the exactly. only person in his life basically who, who he can count on. Exactly. And it's really heartbreaking, too, because it's like you find out stuff about the movie la- or about his past later on. You never totally figure out what's happened, which I liked that you never really yes. know a thousand percent what went down that led him to being in prison. Yeah. How guilty is he? Yeah. Right? But you I mean, the thing I like is that you have a sense that he didn't do what he yeah. was, was in prison for. You know that he kind of didn't like he's at least a good guy. He's at least a good guy. I, I don't think he killed anybody. That's my interpretation. No, he didn't kill anyone, but he, like, my, my what I was wondering more is, like, how involved was he in the idea for a robbery, right? Yeah, exactly. But also, like, he was young. That was 20 years ago. So he would have been, like, a teenager. Exactly. And now he's 40, and you can tell how he's kind of matured, but not really. Like, he didn't fully develop. I mean, like, I think in terms of, like... You know, there's book smart and street smart. I think he's book smart. Yeah. But street smart, he doesn't have any real like experience, which is unfortunate. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's the thing that I found interesting about that. Um, yeah, no, he his performance is so good because you can see that, too. Like I said, too, like Edie Falco, you can understand how she's uncomfortable with J.D. Plus. You can understand how he's like, hey, like, you're the only person in my life who, like, cares about me. Mm-hmm. And... When he's, like, hanging out with Caitlin Deaver, who's a younger girl who is a teenager, you can tell how they're, like, friends because... They're both stunted. Yeah, they're both stunted. Well, she's not stunted. She's, like, developmentally appropriate, but... Yeah. He's stunted. (laughs) I was gonna say, I'm like, well, she's, like, 16, so maybe (laughs) cut her some slack, but anyway. (laughs) No, she's she's appropriate for her age, but he is not. And that's another one that made me uncomfortable was, like... Like, I know he didn't have bad intentions, but also you're on parole, dude. Stop hanging out with a teenager. That is a bad fucking idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit like, okay, this is weird, but yeah, I like the idea that they're almost like they're friends and they're buddies, but there was, there was a point in this movie where I was like, um, you know, Lynn Shelton is not no stranger to uncomfortable relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So how far will this go? How far will this go? And there was a part where I was like, Caitlin Deaver, I feel like she might like him. Like she might, she might be into him. And I feel like he, he better like, not respond in a fucked he up better way. not respond because there is some weird sexual stuff going on in this movie. Like Ben Schwartz leaves to go to work and then his girlfriend or whatever starts 
I don't know if it was his girlfriend or what, but she starts, you know... Trying to get him off. Trying to get him off, and that's really uncomfortable, because you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, this is an uncomfortable movie at some points, but I gotta say, it's it's a really good drama mm-hmm. for somebody's first drama. Yeah. Um, I don't know if We Go Way Back was a drama or what that was, but... There, there's some, like, comedic elements in it. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I remember her saying this was her first drama, so... Like, I guess that means... I, I mean, I'll take her word for it. If she believes that this is her first drama, then I'm, I'll call it her first drama. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, and, and then, and then also too, I mean, like, she made We Go Way Back in what 2005, yeah. And then this is 12 years later, and it's like 12 years of making comedies. So I mean, by the time that she gets to making like a full throttle drama, I mean, yes, she's kind of warmed up, and it would probably, I mean, like, I do think comedy is harder than drama. But at the same time, this is a this is a drama. This drama. is a like, capital a, D drama. Yeah, very heavy drama. Um, I mean, there are some parts of this movie that I thought were kind of funny, but I can't remember any off the top of my head. It's more that it's had moments that were humorous. Mm. But then again, I think any good drama movie has humorous moments. Like I can think of parts that I laughed in, and like prisoners because there were like two parts in that movie where they like somebody said something and you were like haha that's funny thank you for saying that you relieved a bunch of tension yeah that's the purpose there for for a drama and also just to develop characters yeah exactly um but yeah no this is this is a really good movie i i feel like i can't do enough justice um to this movie like i feel like i can't talk about it enough so good a must watch for sure Oh, yeah, 100%. Highly recommend this movie. Check it out on Netflix. It's on there right now. Yeah, like. Netflix Canada. Alrighty. Last but not least, Sword of Trust. Yeah. I love this so much. It's This is I, really good. Yeah. I've never seen this. It's such a relevant topic um, and obviously very political, but still oh, yeah. super funny. But like that, just like the whole like tackling right-wing conspiracy theorists in a comedy work mm-hmm. so well because that the, their ideas are so ridiculous and it shows how they're being played by both sides <laughs> like if you buy into those conspiracy theories you're being played <laughs> exactly right like guys like there's more to life than than being this wrapped up in a goddamn conspiracy theory yes. like you gotta you gotta let the shit go but it's also funny because people are like the main characters in this movie are like, hey, like, these people are idiots. Like, let's... Let's play them. <laughs> let's play them. Yeah, let's let's totally, like... Make some money. Take this thing and make some money, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I like. That made me laugh um, a lot. Yeah. The thing I liked about this movie, too, is that it has two couples in it. Um, it has... And, it, like, one romantic couple and then one couple that's just, like, guys who work together. So, like... Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it leads to some good humor, too, because it's like, oh, are you guys together? And then Mark Barron's like, no, no, we're not together. And the guy's like, no, no, never. And then Mark Barron's like, well, you don't have to be insulting about it. Like, you could just say, you just say no. But <laughs> Yeah. This movie is so funny, though, and I love Mark Barron so much. Yeah. So. Who was the guy he was playing off of in the store? He was kind of like, um, uh, what's his name? Danny... Danny McBride, but like dollar store Danny McBride. <laughs> he was really funny though. 
Yeah, he just you know looked like Danny McBride. He looked like Danny McBride and Jonah Hill had a kid. Like, yeah. That's what he kind of looks like, right? <laughs> um, so this guy's name is John Bass, I think his name is. He's good. And yeah, here's the thing is that he's been in a couple movies. He was in that Baywatch movie with Zac Efron. Oh, okay. And that movie's not good. It's not a good movie. <laughs> um, I don't think it's the worst movie ever, but I I do like it. Um, the beautiful cast all around. Wait, what did I just say? I I, I kind of went on autopilot for a second there. <laughs> you said you like Baywatch. No, I <laughs> no, I don't. I hate that. I hate that movie. What the fuck? <laughs> You're like, it's not the best movie, but I like it. <laughs> Why did I say that? That's not true. Zac Efron's abs hypnotized you. Oh, God. I'm so embarrassed. Why did I say that? You got to leave that in. You got to leave will, that in. I will. Oh, man. I hate Baywatch. I don't like it. Um why did that, that doesn't even make any sense i got distracted by something in my room oh my god i got distracted ah shit <laughs> we gotta make merchandise we gotta get shirts that says matt let's stay watch <laughs> matt's in the zach efron's abs and I'm like, yeah, okay true but fuck off but not oh, in Baywatch. okay i hate that i just said that i can't believe myself oh, i'm so embarrassed okay Let's move. Oh, God. So bad. Okay. He was in Baywatch. He was not good at it. (laughs) Why did I say I like it? (laughs) Jesus. You just lost all your movie fan credit. I did. (laughs) I just did. No, it's okay to like Baywatch, Matt. It's okay. You can admit it. I don't. I hate it. I don't like that movie. It is so bad. It's so stupid. I hate it. Um. But yeah, that that guy was in a bad movie. But he correct? was he was in it, and he wasn't very funny in it. I'll say that I didn't really love him in that. Mm. I saw him in like one or two other things. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like he's kind of annoying. Okay, like, he's so kind of annoying. So maybe Lynn Shelton's just a funny person, and she yeah, wrote him but, some funny lines. I mean, the thing is, too. I think I don't think that he's not funny. I think it's that he was in some bad movies, but right. then she put him in a good movie, and she gave him the right character, and he was able to to be really funny in it. Mm. So after seeing this movie, I'm like, you know what? I think I thought wrong about this guy. And I think he's just been in movies that just weren't really for him. And in parts that I don't think he's supposed to be in, because I think the thing is that he was getting cast as like the, the Jonah Hill type character. Like right. the kind of like a, Hey, Hey, what's going on? Like, Oh my God. You know? And he's like, like early Jonah of, Hill. Yeah. Like an early Jonah Hill. Like they were typing him, putting him in that kind of roles, but like an awkward kind of, Jonah Hill, like, joke a minute, that kind of guy. Mm. I'm trying to think of a different actor to relate him to, but I can't really think of one. Well, kind of Danny McBride, too. Kind of Danny McBride a little bit, too, but, like, more like a pathetic kind of thing. Like, I mean, Danny McBride plays, like, a pathetic character in some of his movies, but, like, he doesn't know he's pathetic. Like, he thinks he's Alpha Omega. This is the kind of character where, like, he's kind of pathetic, but he doesn't have any of the... Of the power that, like, Danny McBride has. Like, he doesn't have, like, the the mindset of, like, a powerful person. But, or, or he doesn't think of himself as, like, a powerful person. Like, he, he kind of, this is a pathetic character who kind of knows he's pathetic. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, they're funny because of that. I'm trying to think of one that would relate to that, but... I would say like the like Jonah Hill in that scene in Superbad where the girl uh, gets period blood on his leg, like that scene. Oh yeah, where he's like, like "Fuck that, me, right?" 
yeah fuck me right like that kind of energy yeah but that's the whole character like that kind of thing if that makes any sense i'm gonna think of an actor that relates to this like two hours after we record and i'm gonna want (laughs) to shoot myself my god um but anyway they keep casting him as that kind of character this one they cast him not really in that role he's more just like kind of an awkward guy who's kind of quiet but when he talks and when he's when he has somebody to bounce off of, he's really funny. Yeah. And he's um, kind of like testing the waters for his own conspiracy theories too, which is really funny. Like he's the only one. He'll like look around when, when those right wingers are saying conspiracy theories. He's like, okay, I'm listening. Like he's like, he's so susceptible. Right. <laughs> I thought that was well done. Oh yeah. No, he's really funny in this movie. And I, I, ge- I genuinely like his performance in this. I think that he's really good. Um, and I hope to see him in more stuff. Like Lynn Shelton definitely put him in a in a good role where mm-hmm. he can really shine. You really like Jillian Bell in this movie. Tell me I about did. what you liked about her. She bounced off of um Dollar Store Danny McBride really well. I'm sorry, I can't keep calling him that. What was his name again? Uh John Bass. I John think. Bass. <laughs> Jillian Bell bounced off of John Bass really well, I thought, because she's kind of like she in her couple relationship, she's maybe the the goofier one a little bit. But that's then, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Like they see, that's what I liked at the end. They kind of band together with their like the person in the couple that they're the most like, like uh, Michaela Watkins and Mark Marin are both like the stern, grumpy. They're the boss kind of ones. The yeah. boss. Yeah. And then, you know, Jillian Bell and John ba- Dollar Store Danny McBride <laughs> 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 are both the ones that are. um <laughs> true though <laughs> they're both the ones that are maybe a little bit more passive a little bit more goofy a little bit more a little bit more open i would even say too yeah i think jillian bell was just a little more fun as like this yeah trying to make the best of a shitty situation i like oh, the yeah. way she played that where right away as soon as she entered the scene you knew she had no idea her grandfather was you know he had dementia and that he believed in conspiracy theories when she inherits yeah. like his stuff and so instead of like being down on it, she kind of turns around and is like, okay, well, we're going to come up with a story and we're going to try and sell this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just liked her attitude. She she definitely wasn't the brains behind the plan, but she was just all for it. Like, oh, I yeah. like that. Yeah, that's what I enjoyed. I, I, I really love her performance in this. And that's the thing, too. Again, like, she's also been kind of cast in a certain type of role yeah. as well. Like workaholics and whatnot, she's kind of the she's similar to John Bass in the way that she's been cast. Although I found that she's a little bit more successful, I find that she's a bit funnier. Um, mm-hmm. Like in Twenty Two Jump Street, she was pretty funny, yeah. but it was still she was like the same character as in Workaholics. Exactly, yeah. So I'm really happy that I got to see her do something different because she mm-hmm. was really funny in this movie. It's weird; she was in like The Master apparently with like. PT, that PTA movie. Um, Where was she in that? I'm trying to. She think like now. cameoed in one part. I think she was being like kind of like hypnotized or something in one okay. scene. Okay. Uh, in like a shot, and you're like, oh, she has some she? serious chops. Yeah, I like her, and I I hope to see her in more stuff because I think that she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie especially, she's really fantastic. So, I'm uh, I'm I'm hoping that she gets an opportunity to do a little bit stuff that's a little bit more serious. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to see, I'd like to see her in stuff like this where it's like, yeah, it's a bit serious, but there's also a lot of room to do comedy and do funny stuff. Yeah. Um, there's both. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You watch the show glow. Yeah. What do you think Mark Marin is better in this or glow? Oh, damn. 
Uh, I'm going to say Glow only because he's so, like, personality-wise, he's pretty unrecognizable in Glow. Like, I kind of hate him until the last, maybe, like, the last two episodes of season three. Yeah. Like, he is such a piece of shit. But then he kind of has an arc where he realizes, like, he needs to be there for his kid, and he's going to send the elevator back down to help Mm -hmm. his kid make her career. But, like, I bought that arc so hard, but... Really, he just had more time to develop that character, too. Exactly. So, I don't know if it's I, a fair comparison. Yeah, well, I mean, here, here's the thing, too. The fact that you're able to compare both, and you're mm. able to compare a three-season character that he's developed over the course of, like, three, four years yeah, to a character that he developed in a 90-minute movie, I mean, I think that really shows his chops. That's true. It shows how he can... How he can develop somebody no matter how, like, long he has to do it. I mean, I just love Mark Maron. I'd like to see him in more movies because he's so good in this movie. He is. He he gives one of the best monologues, I think, of 2019 in this movie. I think it's like this and Adam Sandler's monologue. Like, this is how I win from Uncut Gems. Those are the two where I'm like, I love those. I love those. Yeah, you're talking about the one in the back of the delivery truck or whatever where he talks about his partner. Yeah. He talks about Deirdre, who was actually played by Lynn Shelton in right. this movie, which I thought was interesting. Because um, it is a heartbreaking story. And then I know that there's more to the story that they've developed off yeah. camera, which is really interesting. But he wears it all on his face. He wears it all on his face, yeah. It's just... That's that what you said, good. right? He, yeah. he wears it all on his face? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> for a second i was like i've never heard that before i really hope i said it right <laughs> I, I don't know i might have just made that up but <laughs> his face tells the story his face tells the story yeah <laughs> he wears it all on his chest it's like what <laughs> what is that what it is now <sighs> um yeah no it's it's great and um i really i really love his performance in this uh in this movie this is such a shame that this was her last movie but only because like i feel like she could have gone on just to make more movies like this but yeah if this is her like this is her last movie i think this is a great last movie to have because this movie is fantastic there's not like i said with outside in the only real issue i had with that one was that there are some characters who are kind of underdeveloped and kind of whatever yeah this movie not the case at all Every character has something to do, has a meaning, has a purpose, no matter how long they're on screen, if it's the whole movie or five minutes. Yeah, even throwaway characters, like those two hillbillies who, like, harass him in the store later on. He's like, hey, wait, hang on. I know you little shit. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And that's the thing I love about her filmography, looking over it in general, is just how different all Mm -hmm. the stuff is. Like, there's definitely, like, similarities between all of her movies, but they're very different movies. I mean, Hump Day... You're tackling some sexuality there. Mm-hmm. Your sister's sister, you're talking about, you know, love, but also kind of betrayal. Yeah. Touchy-feely, we're talking about a little bit of depression, that kind of stuff. Um, maybe rebuilding your life and that kind of thing. Laggies, I mean... Refusal to grow up. Yeah, being able to grow up, being able to move on outside in. The kind of opposite of that is being grown up, but not really having matured or having kind of a stunted growth period and missing your whole life yeah missing your whole life basically and then sort of trust just a fucking screwball comedy i love it like i love this is just kind of a just a silly comedy that has some very real moments in it yeah and even that like 
it has a deep meaning too about like not contributing to dangerous conspiracies even though it's like hilarious at while it's at it but in the end it's like well maybe the best maybe it's best not to give these guys more material to erode history with exactly yeah did you hear about the alternate ending for this movie no what was it? i think mark maron said like you know what would be a really funny alternate ending as it would be like what it's like he gets the sword at the end and the guy's like okay guys well i gotta go back to work and then the floor opens up and he goes to hell (laughs) and it's like whoa or something like that and it was just like he is the devil he is the devil um yeah no that's that's what i found funny but what i find interesting about the end of this movie is that i was watching an interview with um i always forget the interviewer's name but it was um him mark Marin, and lynn shelton I don't know if you saw this interview, but they were talking about Sword of Trust. And they all had three very, like, similar but different interpretations on the ending of this movie of, like, what's going to happen with Mark Maron's character and his relationship with Deirdre. Right. I just thought that was really interesting. Like, Mark Maron was like, he's going to go back and then get her her car or whatever, and then they're going to be back in a relationship, and then it's all going to happen over again. Like, it's going to be a vicious cycle. So, like, you know, he's it's the classic Mark Maron cranky pessimism view. <laughs> and then Lynn Shelton was like, no, I think of it more like he's going to go back, but he's going to keep space there so that he can help her, but, you know, protect himself as well. Mm. And then the interviewer, like, again, I can't remember his name, and I feel so bad. Um, but he was saying like something a little bit different than those two, but I just, I just find that interesting. It's very simple stuff that she has in her movies, but they can have a lot of different interpretations. Um, and like, I feel like with interpretations of movies and whatnot and books and all that, I feel like it it says a lot more about the person watching it and the person analyzing it when they make those interpretations. So yeah, what their perspective is and all that. Yeah. Like, no wonder Mark Maron's kind of cranky, a little pessimistic like that. I kind of find, like, yeah, that makes sense, you know? Um, But, like, you know, he's also not wrong because, I mean, that very well could be how it ends. And, I mean, like, maybe that's – it's just interesting to know that that's kind of how he thinks about it. But it's also interesting that, you know, there are other ways that people see it and are like, okay, like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I like that. So – that's the thing. I, I, lo- I love in her filmography that while she definitely would have gone on to do better things and or I shouldn't say better things, but more things. Yeah. And I think that she would have done better stuff as well. I think she would have made like movies that are even better. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is the filmography that she's left behind and it's it's fabulous. It's a really, really good filmography. Yeah. It's one of the best because there's, like I said, there are no movies in here that are like terrible, you know? Yeah, like, none, none that are just like a complete miss. Yeah, like there's no like, it's not like, like even David Fincher, like he has Alien 3 and like depending on who you ask, he has Curious Case of Benjamin Button where it's like, eh, you know? Right. Hmm. You know, but her, she, she's done a lot of different things and most of the time they've really worked out pretty much all the time they've worked in some way yeah um and they at the i feel like her worst movie is at the very least solid and enjoyable yep which is not an easy thing to say for anybody and it's always Uh, unique i i never i've never seen really any of the ideas that she presents done in such a way or even like 
completely like I've never seen that idea on screen before for several of Mm -hmm. these movies. And it's not like some big budget fucking, you know, it's a new kind of explosion or a new kind of action scene. No, it's just like a character dynamic that is new. Yeah. The the interviewer that I was, I got to look this guy up. This is ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Basically, he said like Lynn Shelton's made a really good career doing um, like making uh, movies about people being people, um, which is kind of the case. Like she was never going to direct like the next Avengers movie by any means. No, but she would always do interesting stuff about um, what do you call it? About just people, just relationships. Being people being people. Yeah, relationships. Yeah. Okay, build series. That's the that's the thing. Host. What's the host's name? Okay, that's not the guy. Oh God. <sighs> trying to give you credit ricky, bro ricky camilleri that's the guy's name ricky camilleri all right there we go <laughs> <laughs> anyway i feel pretty confident that we got the right the right one there so there we go anything else you can take away from her whole um her whole filmography i think the the, the one thing i'm curious about your thoughts do you think it makes a difference because i heard her say that a lot of her movies she casts local like seattle uh theater performers do you think that makes a difference as someone who's done theater and some like you know stuff on camera what does that is there a benefit or does it take away anything from taking someone from the stage and putting them in front of a camera um see i don't know because like i i'm a little surprised that she said they're theater actors because you know like the thing with theater that's very different about movies is that like with film less is more and with with uh, theater, I feel like more is more, you know, mm-hmm. like theater is a lot bigger and a lot more exaggerated, but yeah, you got to play to the back seats. Yeah, exactly. But like, um, in her movies, it feels like it's very much that they're just being themselves. They, they, a lot of the characters are just being very like, you know, just going to be very reserved, very kind of quiet and well, not like quiet, quiet, like not like, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Nothing like that. It's not like, ASMR. Not <laughs> hey, I'm doing the Lynch Shield movie with Mark Merritt. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Mom, can you hear me? I'm so pumped. Oh my God. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. But um, it's it's just it's odd to me that she chose local theater actors. Um, then again, I mean, I don't want this to sound mean or anything like that, but they do look like regular people. So right. different standards, you know, different standards. Right. So I'm not like looking, I'm not distracted at the fact that it's Sam Rockwell as much. I'm like, okay, well this is like a, I mean like when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, Sam Rockwell. But like, it's kind of sometimes nice to see somebody who's not super recognizable and be like, okay, like this is a, this is a person I haven't seen before. So right. now I'm not super distracted on how this person that, that I know really well is playing this character. But now I'm like, um, this person is somebody I've never seen before. So why don't I just shut the fuck up and watch the movie, you know? Right. There's no distraction. There's no distractions. It just makes the movie feel more real because I mean, like with Kira Knightley, here's one issue about laggies is that she's playing a schlub or slob. She is way too attractive (laughs) to be playing somebody who is, you know, who's not matured and whatnot like i feel like yeah somebody would be a lot more like a little bit more like a train wreck but she looks like a little bit too done up and a little too like 
put together, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also thought like that was the only performance in that movie I didn't fully buy. I think her her American accent was slipping a little bit. There were moments. Like some yeah. some stuff sh- was fine, but there was definitely some moments where I was like, Yeah. This is practice a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work on that before you do your next movie. Yeah. Um Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's yeah. insightful. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say though because I I here's the thing. I can understand if he was getting improv people mm-hmm. to be in this movie. That I would that would make sense to me. Theater, I'm a little bit more like, hmm. But then again, I mean, theater. I I do think that in theater you need to have like backstories. I think that's an acting thing, just in general. Is you should always say just have a good backstory, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, like I I think that's the thing too. I. I do think theater trained actors are probably good though because they are doing it live. So if they fuck up a line, they have to improvise and be quick on their feet. Right. When it is well, when you're in the movie, if you forget the line, they can just yell cut and redo it. You know. Mm-hmm. So you're not really getting that same benefit. So when you're in a movie like this and you have to improvise and you have to be quick on your feet and you have to be present, I do think that being theater trained does make sense. So yeah. So I mean, there is a difference, but I don't know. I I, I feel like. If I was making a movie like this, I would get improv people personally. Yeah. But then again, um, would my movies be as good as Lynn Shelton's <laughs> movies are? No, probably not. So I'm going to trust that she knows what the fuck she was doing. And I, I can learn a thing or two from her. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. What, what do you think sets her apart in terms of how she works with directors or with actors then? Um, hmm. I think it's just, uh, well, I think it's that, is that she's working with people to make good backstories. Yeah. Um, because that is a big thing. I mean, like like I said, that's what I like to do when I make characters and whatnot. Like, I mean, that's also just the most fun part, is that you get to to kind of, you get the script, you read it, then you're like, okay, well, now I get to do a little bit of my own writing, and I right. can write my own character, write the character into the situation. Like, I can write their backstory to kind of help fit this character and help fit them in this scene and give them a perspective. And if things need to change, I can kind of always change and tweak little things here and there. So I think that that's interesting that she actually seems to like sit down. Like, I don't know if she actually does it, but it sounds like she does where Mm -hmm. she would sit down with people and like sit down and do that with them and help people through that because then you're making something really rich that can actually come into play later on. Yeah. And makes it like just better and makes it probably easier for the actor to be able to improvise that kind of stuff and work through that. And I just think that's really interesting. I like, I like that people do that. Cause I find, I feel like a lot of other directors are like, okay, I casted you, I'll do your work and I'll see you on day one, like that kind of thing. But she seems to really care about getting the good performances out of people. So, mm-hmm. um, I think I that's also really freeing too as a writer because when oh, yeah. I'm when I'm writing something, I'm so bogged down in like the structure of what the final product will be, like where the story mm-hmm. goes and what what you show and what you don't show. But then yeah. when it's kind of freeing to look at like, well, what what are we going to hide? But what what's behind those layers there? Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like when you make a really good backstory for characters and you make enough characters and you put them in a situation, I feel like in some ways the story will just write itself. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's, that's the thing damn. with Hump Day that she did where she made the characters. They shot it chronologically 
And then I think she said, like, they went into the hotel room at the end of that movie, because that's what the whole thing is. They're like, oh, we're going to go to a hotel room and film this porno. Um, so I think what she did is that she, they went to the hotel room and she basically said to Mark Duplass and Joshua Leonard, like, look, you guys, the scene is going to end where it's going to end. Like, mm-hmm. you have the reins now. Like, she kind of, it sounded like she did that. I might be misquoting that, but I, I think that's what she said in the What the Fuck podcast. Um, where she was like, this like this can end however you guys are going to end it. Like, you, you guys know the characters. Fascinating. That's where it is. So that's kind of the most organic thing about it is that she's just literally kind of giving the actors enough freedom to be like, okay, like, take the movie where it's going to go, you know? That's smart. Um, yeah, there's so many possibilities when you so just many possibilities, let the characters yeah. act yeah. like real life, basically. Like, what, what would happen? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. That's the thing. It's interesting. And I and I like doing that because like you would never see that in like a David Fincher movie. He'd never drop I don't know why I'm I'm picking on David <laughs> Fincher so much today, but you never see him at, at the end of seven being like, Okay, so like it's up to you, Brad, if if your wife's head is in that box or not. What is in the box? What is in the box? You can decide. Um <laughs> and then the end of that movie is um it's cake. what's in the fucking box? Oh. Well, how'd you know it was my birthday? <laughs> How'd you know, John Doe? Oh, Jeez. you. Please. <laughs> Classic. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. No, yeah, but it makes it makes for a true-to-life experience, though, because you get so absorbed in, like, these being real people when you exactly. let that happen. Yeah. I think that's the best thing that she does, that she doesn't, uh, she seems to put the actors in the character's shoes, like, and, like so much more than any other director can because she's literally saying, you end this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this movie's gonna end the way that you want it to end, so, there you go. Um, so yeah, no, that's, <clears throat> that's what I thought was interesting about her as a, as a director's actor. How do you think about her, like, working with performers? I mean, I think I, that's kind of what I was working through in my head. I just didn't have the, the kind of acting perspective, because to me, she's so acting actor focused, clearly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, when you when you put it as you know, letting actors just become that character and be involved in where that character goes, that makes so much more sense. And like for my writing, I, I would definitely take away that. Come up with a backstory before there's a story, and whether whether you include that or not, it, it'll just mm-hmm. it'll only make the the characterization richer. Oh yeah, I think that's 100%. just brilliant. Yeah, I think that's why, like, the characters are so interesting in her movies. And that's what I, I, I feel so bad. I'm picking on this poor actor who's in outside in as the husband. Like, <laughs> probably was like, man, that was like my big break. I thought I did a good job. Um, and I mean, like, he was fine, but like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it just was a lack of screen time, but maybe that's what it was. Maybe, maybe in that case, it, it just, there wasn't that much behind it you know yeah but that's so rare for a lynn shelton movie to have anyone who doesn't feel like well they've gone through some shit too you know yeah yeah it's crazy but she was definitely the uh one of the best and this is this it's a little bit of a bummer this Mm -hmm. like doing this episode just because it is so sad that she passed away so young and I just hope that we can do some good by introducing her to some more people who can watch her movies and uh, get something out of them. Because, I mean, I sure did. I, I got a lot of her movies, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed doing this binge. This might be my favorite binge that we've done so far. 
it might be i think it is the highest quality binge we've done. i think it is too because i'm trying to think who else and i mean like okay michael keaton was good but then again like that's the only one that she's really competing with yeah and even that i'm like he there had were some, some stinkers duds. yeah there were some real duds with him but like kirsten dunce and adam fucking sandler oh yeah no she blows them right out of the water yeah um already so who are your favorite characters and performances in shelton's movies uh so from from three to one also like these are loose rankings because like like we've established before there there's really only one underdeveloped character out of what six or seven movies we've watched seven movies Um, yeah yeah so that these are my personal three favorite characters and performers um number three jillian bell in sort of trust because she's just hilarious and I haven't seen her show that range either in a lot of her work. She's been kind know, of pigeonholed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was cool to see her do something more. And it's she's still funny, but there's just kind of there's a, more characterization there and hundred percent. Yeah, she's less of like a gag and more of a real person. Mm-hmm. And then number two, Chloe Chloe Grace Moritz, because she is the only likable character in laggies and kind of the heart of the movie because of that like she's the only one who i want to see get out of this scot-free oh yeah and i mean enough's been said about her she's all everyone knows she's a really good actor so oh yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah amazing. she carries it oh she definitely does and then number one ed falco in uh outside in because she says so much with just her eyes oh yeah yeah, she was so good in that movie. It was also weird to see her because she's such a like a big profile, um, you know, from like Nurse Jackie, The Sopranos. So I was kind of surprised to see her in a Lynn Shelton movie, but couldn't mm. be happier because she fit right I'm in. So glad she fit right in. Um, I got a couple honorable mentions. I got uh, Caitlin Deaver and Ben Schwartz from Outside In. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got John Bass from Sword of Trust. I got. I even put Sam Rockwell from Laggies. I mean, maybe that's just because I love Sam Rockwell, no matter what. No, he was good, too. He was he was good in that movie. Um, Josh Pays and Touchy Feely. He was really good, really awkward. Anybody, any other actor would have made that role really kind of awkward and annoying, but he did it in a way where it was really endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say Mark Duplass and Joshua Leonard from Hump Day. I would say both of those performances are really good. Um, I'd even say The Wife character from hump day i just i don't know the actress's name so i'm gonna look that up right now so that we can give a little more (laughs) instead of just being like yeah the wife (laughs) the one who belongs to a man (laughs) exactly (laughs) i also i looked up hump day and i got a bunch of weird photos so i gotta be a little bit more yeah uh, when i was trying to find hump day and touchy-feely there were many other things coming up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so those of you under 18 <laughs> yeah oh man tread lightly um, alicia delmore i believe that's her name i would also say that she was uh that she was really good mm-hmm. in what do you call it in that yeah so there you go um as for the list number three is mark Marin from sort of trust really happy to get this on my performance list uh his monologue in this movie is fantastic i love mark Marin. i want to see him in more movies i need to watch glow the rest of it i should say because i watched the first season and i love it i love seeing him work with lynn shelton it's a you know they had a, a beautiful relationship and it's it's a shame Mm-hmm. that he uh, we all lost lynn shelton especially her him because you know I, I i saw it you know i saw the spark that they had together and it's 
it's really heartbreaking, but I'm glad that they got to do this movie together because it is a really nice kind of time capsule almost of their relationship. Um, as well as the stand up specials that she filmed of him. So yeah. yeah, but I'm I think that he he gave pro- I would honestly say this is probably his best performance in that I've ever seen from him. Um I haven't seen a ton of performances from Mark Marin, but he's great in this movie. He's so good. Number two, Emily Blunt from Your Sister's Sister. Absolutely love her in this movie. I think it's one of her best roles. Such a so nice to see her just kind of be like just an average everyday person instead of being like in a big, huge movie. I'm mm-hmm. just really glad I got to see that. And I appreciated this. Can you remind me, was she British in this movie? She was. Yeah. Her, she she, was? her family, like her, her and her sister had different mothers and she was oh, raised in okay. England. That's right. That made sense. I like that's, I would kind of wish they did that with Kira Knightley. It might've been easier for mm. ladies, you know, might've worked out a little bit better. Good but, point. Anyway, um, yeah, no, Emily Blunt, really fantastic in this movie. And then number one, I would say, same reason you put Edie Falco at number one, is Jay Duplass uh, an Outside In, because he says so much by doing so little. Yeah. Incredible uh, performance. He says so little, and it's amazing, because he hasn't been acting for that long. He's usually been a director, so. Yeah, I think that's the only movie I've seen him act in. Yeah. It's always his brother who you see. Oh, yeah. No, he's... uh... (laughs) He's really, really good, and I'm glad that he got to be in this movie and because he did a fantastic job with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Alrighty, let's hear your favorite movies from yeah. Lynn Shelton. My number three is Laggies because, like I said before, it's it takes some traditional ideas and flips them on their on its head. I haven't mm-hmm. seen this type of story done this kind of way. Hundred percent. I'll admit it's not her strongest movie by any means, but I I think the ideas are really interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. I I would totally agree with that. My number two is Sort of Trust because let's you know I I, I like watching comedy that dunks on on conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious, and everybody delivered. The, I laughed the most in this one, a hundred percent. So yeah, I, I would rewatch it. It kind of reminds me of The Big Lebowski a little bit, where it's kind of this reserved. Somewhat yeah. political comedic co- comedy, so yeah, I'll be 100%. recommending that to people who haven't heard of Lynn Shelton. Oh yeah, that's a good uh, introductory one, mm-hmm. I think. And then my number one is your sister's sister. This is just a, cl- a a classic for the ages. You you could take the archetypes and the arcs of these characters and apply them to so many different stories, and it would work because that core. That core drama is so strong, just like the the classic Greek tragedies that have survived till till today. Those ingredients are in this, and even though it is not completely played straight, there is a bit of comedy. The mm-hmm. drama is so powerful, and I, I just love it. One of my all time favorites. I'll just go go right out and say it. Yeah. Oh no, this movie's so good. I'm I'm so jealous that you got your sister's sister and uh, sort of trust, but I got some good ones on my list, so I'm happy. Um, but those ones like, oh, easily my top three, those ones right there. Yeah. Um, we can share, we can share some, we can share. I mean, if this was like a, a top five list of sort of trust would be number three and your sister's sister would be number one. Mm. Um, but Hey man, she, he's got, she's got no bad movies at all. So I'm really happy with my list, which is number three, touchy feely. Um, 
you know, like I said, not the greatest movie, but definitely some interesting ideas. And I like what I could take away from this movie. I'm 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 grateful that I saw this movie and I'm grateful that I bought it, too, because I can now I can watch it whenever I want. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to. I kind of want to see it again. So I'm happy for that. I'm glad that there's some rewatch value there. That it's not just like a whatever um, throwaway movie. Um, yeah. This is a good one. Number two is Hump Day. Really good one. Put her on the map. Uh, yeah, just, I don't know. This movie just, it starts off like a comedy, becomes something more, and then ends with one of the funniest ending scenes in a movie ever. Um, and I I really enjoyed this movie a lot. So highly recommend it. Definitely check that one out. My number one is Outside In because it's her only like real hardcore drama, but it is so good and so interesting that I have to say this is a this is a phenomenal phenomenal uh, movie with so many phenomenal performances in it. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, definitely check these ones out. A lot of these are on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Like five of them are. So um, yeah, yeah, check them out today. Like do you won't yeah. regret it. Yeah, Outside In and Your uh, Sort of Trust are both on Netflix, and Your Sister's Sister uh laggies and we go way back are all on amazon prime um the netflix original stand-up specials that mark Marin did end times fun and too real are also on netflix so those are directed by lynn shelton so if you're down to watch some lynn shelton those ones are on there if you want to give her a watch um and also i mean mark Marin's just a good stand-up so mm-hmm. check him out as well yeah Let's let's do some let's do some honoring. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Just as a little preface to this part, I think it's it's important. I feel after this to really bring our attention to more lesser known women directors and filmmakers 100%. because yeah. it's something I personally don't know enough about. So I hope we can do some more focused on, you know the the talented people that you don't really see mentioned as much until you know they absolutely blow up and influence film history exactly yeah and at the end of this episode we've kind of put together a list of like 15 um female directors who deserve a lot more recognition than they're getting and um just also give our viewers some people to kind of look into if they're interested in finding more female uh, directors out there. Because unfortunately, there are not a lot that are well known. Yeah. And without Lynn Shelton, there there's one less who is brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was really tragic. Um, I'm glad that we got to do this episode. I wanted to do it like, I mean, I wanted to do this while she was still alive. So it's unfortunate that we had to, we didn't get to do it Um before Mm -hmm. but i'm glad that we're doing it at least now and i'm glad that she's the first female director that we're looking at on this podcast because she's there's nobody more deserving than her yeah um one of the all-time greats we're gonna exclude the obvious ones like sofia coppola greta gerwig Catherine bigelow because they're well known everyone's heard of them um you should still check them out because they're incredible yeah um but these ones are just a little bit more maybe underrated or haven't gotten as much attention, and they deserve it. So here they are. So we got Jennifer Kent, director of The Babadook and The Nightingale. Really good horror movie director. Probably one of the best working today. Yeah. Uh, the Babadook is amazing, right? I like, fucking love that movie. I've probably seen yeah. it like 10 times. It's, it's I don't know so how good. you've seen it 10 times. I've seen it once, and I'm like, okay, I, 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 
I haven't slept in years, so that's my kind of horror right there. I that's love true. It. That's true. You're a psychopath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Um, Marielle Heller, who's the who directed A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Diary of a Teenage Girl. Haven't seen Diary of a Teenage Girl, but I absolutely love Can You Ever Forgive Me. Best performance of Melissa McCarthy's career, and she's got a style that I really enjoy. It's just really kind of easygoing, but there's there's something about it that I love to watch. Um, I really hope to see more from her. Next, we got Zoe Lister-Jones. She's only directed one movie. That was Band-Aid, but it's a really good movie. Um, and her next movie is a remake of the movie The Craft, the one of Witches Ooh. from the 90s starring Nev Campbell. Yeah, that one I'm looking forward to. Me too. Uh, next, we got Katie Asselton. This is uh, Mark Duplass's wife, actually, and she is super super good at directing movies she directed this one called black rock that is a thriller uh very disturbing but very good i think it was written by mark duplass so i love when the two of them work together because they work really well together um next we got laureen scafaria who directed hustlers the meddler and seeking a friend for the end of the world haven't seen the latter two movies but i have seen hustlers and i did really enjoy it it's unfortunate i feel like it got overhyped for its own good but it is a good movie um i think it got a bunch of oscar buzz a little too early and i don't think it was quite like an oscar buzz movie Hmm. But I think the the fact that it was getting so much Oscar buzz around the movie itself, when like really the buzz should have been around Jennifer Lopez because she was incredible in that movie. And I think it I think it ended up letting some people down because it wasn't on the level that people I think expected it to be, which is unfair because the movie is good. The movie is a good movie. I just don't think it's like some Oscar contender movie if that makes sense. Right. Um. But she is a really good fil- filmmaker, and she will be an Oscar contender in the future. Like, in the very near future, it does not surprise me at all. Um, next, we got Lisa Cholodenko. I think that Cholodenko, I think that's how you say her name. Um, she directed The Kids Are All Right. I believe she also directed some episodes of the show Unbelievable, which stars Caitlin Deaver, who we've been talking about a little bit today. Um, haven't seen Unbelievable yet, but The Kids Are All Right is a fantastic movie. Really underrated. It's unfortunately kind of flown under the radar in the last 10 years, but definitely check it out if you can. Great performances from Mark Ruffalo, Julianne Moore, and Annette Bening. Mm. Next, we got Patty Jenkins. She's well-known as the director of Wonder Woman. She also did Monster with Charlize Theron. She's a great, great director. Didn't you say she directed some episodes of Arrested Development? Yeah, I I just saw that (laughs) scrolling through. What a career. Wonder Woman, Monster about Eileen Warnos and Arrested Development. She's varied. Um, varied, yeah, but it shows a lot of range, and she's a really good director. I can't wait to see more of her stuff. I can't wait for Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. Um, now we got Tamara Jenkins, who directed Private Life. I think she also did um, that movie The Savages with Philip Seymour Hoffman and mm. Laura Linney. I can't be certain, but... Um, I personally haven't seen any of her movies, but I have seen... Yeah, she did do The Savages. I haven't seen any of her movies, but I am very excited to, and I look forward to it, and I've only heard good things about her, so I can't wait. Um, Sarah Poli, director of Take This Waltz, with Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen. Uh, We got Domi Shi, a Canadian uh, filmmaker um, of Asian descent, I believe. And she directed that movie Bao, the one about the woman nurturing a um, 
a bow and dumpling. she like eats her kid a yeah. dumpling yeah <laughs> she she eats her kid at the end of it or whatever the hell that was it was the it was one the one that won the oscar for best animated short beautiful um, movie beautiful movie really really good we got alma harrell who directed honey boy starring shia labeouf that's a really beautifully directed movie can't wait to see more from her We've got olivia wilde director of book smart really funny movie can't wait to see more Lynn Ramsey, who directed You Were Never Really Here, starring Joaquin Phoenix, his one of his best performances. Lulu Wang, director of The Farewell, which unfortunately was snubbed for Best Foreign Language Movie and a lot of Oscars. Um, really kind of bullshit, because that movie was, only got praised. Damn. And last but certainly not least, Ava DuVarnay. That's how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, and she directed uh, Selma and 13th documentary on Netflix. So. Yeah, both are really good and really relevant right now. So check that yeah. out. Yeah, definitely check out all of those directors. Can't recommend them enough. Um, we look forward to looking into some of, if not all of those directors in the future. Because yeah, well, we'll I'd make love an to talk about to. all of them. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's about it, folks, for our look back at Lynn Shelton's movies. Uh, if you want to find more, you can find our podcast and all our relevant social media links at halconmedia.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram for regular updates from Matt himself at Greg and Matt Movie Chat. Uh, and we're on Spotify, YouTube, Halcon Media on just about everything. And it's on our website, too. So check it out. Come back next week. We're doing short films by famous directors. So you don't want to miss that. Not at all. Thank you so much, as always. Take care.